Thank you for purchasing this audio product. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We believe that your faith will increase and your life changed by applying the principles in this teaching. What I'm speaking about tonight is something that I've struggled with in my personal life. It's not something to be ashamed about. You get tempted. You are a man. You're a human being. You get tempted. The devil leads you into temptation and things happen. All right? Are you with me for an So we need to work this thing tonight so we can get out of it. So you can live in freedom. We need to live as Jesus wants us to live. In freedom. We don't need to be bound by anything. Whether it's a stronghold, whether it's a mental stronghold, we don't need to be bound because Jesus paid the price already. Amen? Amen? Amen. All right. So I want you to take out your notepads, take out your, your phones, your iPads, your laptops, your MacBooks, your whatever you write on, whatever you take notes. And uh, this is not really a preaching message. It's going to be more of a teaching message. And I really need you to receive the revelation tonight because it's truly going to be powerful. So the title of my message is Free from Shame, Guilt, and Condemnation. So who wants to be real tonight and say, listen, I'm one of those that struggle with that. Okay, we've got three. Praise Jesus. But as we unfold this message and as I speak, you're going to see what you're struggling with. You're going to see why you struggle with it and we're going to get you out of that. All right? Are you excited about that? All right. So before I start... Let me give you the definitions of what we are dealing with tonight. So if we look at guilt, and I want you to write this down. Guilt is a subconscious confession that you are not forgiven. So living in guilt, you've already made a subconscious, subconscious confession to say, I am not forgiven. God has not forgiven me. There's something, there's something in the atmosphere, there's something in the spiritual realm that's hanging over my head because I've sinned. And God hasn't forgiven me because it is maybe the fourth or the first time I've done it. So this thing is hanging over, my, hanging over my life and that's why nothing's happening. I'm praying, I'm praying into the ceiling and nothing's happening because of guilt. Let's look at shame. Shame is believing that you are what you are ashamed of. So when you sin and you are ashamed of what you've done, you're ashamed of sinning, you believe that you are a sinner. Are we sinners tonight? No, we are righteous sons and daughters of the Most High King. Yes, we do sin, but it doesn't make me a sinner. I am still righteous in front of God. God has called me as a son. He's put the mantle of righteousness upon me. I'm clothed in front of Him. So when I do something wrong, I need to run towards God, which means I am standing in righteousness with the King. Are you following 418? I need you guys, we need to interact tonight, all right? We need to speak. I need to know that you guys are listening. If you're not listening, there's a problem. We'll break that thing as well. We'll pray for hearing or something. Let's look at condemnation. Condemnation is a subconscious confession that you are receiving the fact that you are worthy to be judged and not redeemed. So the moment condemnation is upon your life, you're already walking with a sting in your mind to say that I've sinned. I've looked at pornography. I've smoked weed. I've bullied someone, I smacked my mom, I saw my mom behind her back, or whatever the case may be. Being under condemnation is already having this thing in your mind to say that I am worthy to be judged by God. 
shame, guilt, and condemnation is from the pit of hell. It is such a big lie, and it will never, and is not, will never be, and for eternity will never be a part of the gospel. So what happens when we struggle with shame, guilt, and condemnation? First of all, you walk around with this thing in your mind and in your heart to say that I'm not worthy of anything. I'm not worthy to live in prosperity. I'm not worthy to get a distinction. You've got stuff coming over your life and it's like, oh, it's just God teaching me a lesson because I've sinned. No, that is not how it works. That is a lie from the pit of hell. The devil comes to kill, steal, and destroy. We as Christians are in righteousness with God. We'll speak about that later. But we are, we are born again. We are clean. The moment Jesus shed his blood on the cross, that is the moment we were washed clean. Now we're struggling with something that the devil is playing with us. No, you've sinned. And every time you try and get out of it, you try and stop sinning, you try and stop smoking, you try and stop looking at pornography, the more you start doing it. Because you're so focused on that thing to stop it, the more you do it. The more you do it, the worse your feeling becomes. And that is when suicide starts. That is when that, that self-harm spirit starts. Because I can't get out of this thing. I'm too ashamed to speak about it. I'm too ashamed to go to Nikki or to Neil and say, listen, I'm struggling with something. Can some of you just pray with me? Can we break this thing of our life? But you start mingling with this thing in your mind and it's like, I'm struggling. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't stop. And you've got this guilty, you're ashamed, you're condemned, and your life just comes to a complete standstill. So let me explain to you in today's terms what it is to live under shame, guilt, and condemnation. Let's look at the movie Lion King. So the movie Lion King is, it premiered last night, it started today, and I was, as I was praying, this movie just came up in my mind, and I was like, Lord, what, what are you trying to say? So have all of you watched the movie Lion King? I'm not talking about the new one, I'm talking about the one that released in 1998 for all the millennials. All right. I trust that most of you, most of you have watched it, okay? So what happens in the beginning? Scar, let's look at Scar as the devil, okay? Scar wants to rule over Pride Rock. Amen? Are you following? Okay, so what does he do? He plans something for Simba to be in a certain place so that he can start a stampede to kill his father because he wants to take over, okay? So, me as a son of God, I've already been ordained to rule on this earth as a king or as a priest, the same with Simba. Simba was already ordained the next king. Although his father was still alive, he was already the next generation to take over. And that is how it works. That is legacy because your father rules and runs with everything. And the moment he steps down or he dies, then you take over. That is what legacy is about. So what is Scar trying to do? Scar is trying to break the spirit of legacy. He's trying to take away the second generation of taking over. So what happens? Simba rocks up at this place where his uncle says he needs to be. The stampede starts. He runs away. And Mufasa dies. And here Scar comes to Simba. And, he's, and he says to him, you are the reason your father died. He says, run and never return. So Simba runs away. You're still following. If you haven't watched the movie, spoiler alert. So Simba runs away. And he gets to this place where he meets two friends. These two friends are like two hippies because nothing can bother them. All they sing the whole day is a Kuda Matara, which means no worries. Okay? 
And they ask him, where do you come from? And he says, you know what, it doesn't matter. And he says, I can't return. And he said, every time you speak to Simba about this thing, he says that I am the reason my father died. Because of the devil saying, listen, it is your fault. You are the reason your father died. And he doesn't want to return. For years he doesn't return to Pride Rock. So let's look at, let's look at, let's continue. We'll get back to the movie. Okay? So when we struggle with shame, guilt, and condemnation, we don't feel worthy of the anointing. We don't feel worthy of the glory of God. We don't feel worthy to stand in the presence of God. The moment you sin during the week, I struggled with this last week. Last week. On my knees crying, saying, Lord, please just touch me. Please, I'm in the presence. Don't, don't take your hand away from me. I need to feel your presence. But it's a mental block that I had because I felt condemned. I struggled with this thing. And the reason why I'm saying it is not something to be ashamed of because everybody struggles with it. This week I was in a meeting with one of my friends. He's a pastor. He's been in ministry for 25, run about 20, 25 years. I, we started speaking about this message. He said that he struggled with condemnation for 43 years. 43 years of his life he struggled with condemnation. Being a pastor, running a church of four to 7,000 members, struggling with condemnation. So it is a natural thing to struggle with this. But in John 12 verse 47 it says, Jesus is speaking, he's saying, For I did not come to judge you, but to save you. Jesus didn't come for you to feel judged or to be judged. He came to save you. So when you struggle with guilt, shame, and condemnation, you are always under this cloud of, I don't deserve the anointing. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve a promotion. I don't deserve an increase. I don't deserve to play for the first team. I don't deserve to be a part of the, the crowd in, church, in school it's just you've got this thing over your mind the entire time. And why are we struggling with this? Because from a young age, the churches that we've been in has taught us don't sin. Because when you sin, you're going to hell. So you always have this thing in the back of your mind saying, Lord Jesus, I've just said the F word. I've just, I lost my temper in traffic and it just actually went crazy and blowing my horn and showing signs out of the window. And it's like, Lord, I can't step into your presence. Lord, I don't deserve what I have. Because of that condemnation that comes like this, immediately. We've been taught a sin-conscious gospel. We've been, we, as we grow up during, through the years, we're growing up in this gospel. But we're always conscious of sin, conscious of sin. I've just sinned. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. Then you carry on the next week. Oh, I've sinned. And I'm struggling to sin. I'm struggling to get out of my addiction. And the more I'm struggling, the more I get into it. And the more I get into it, the worse I feel. The worse my feeling gets. The more it builds up. I don't want to go to church anymore. I don't deserve to go to church. I don't deserve to have a spiritual father. I don't deserve to be in youth. I don't deserve to be in the band. As I was driving, as we were driving from Pretoria to here, we get into the standstill traffic and I'm like, Lord Jesus, that condemnation spirit comes because I know I was planning on coming to church, going into the pastor's lounge and praying for at least 45 minutes straight. I've planned it in my mind, 
So the moment I hit traffic, I know I'm going to be out of time. I'm not going to make the time I wanted to. So what does the devil start doing? You didn't pray enough. You're not ready for this thing tonight. It starts like this. It just creeps up. And I, start, I said to my wife, just give me an earphone. I put an earphone, put a worship song on, started praying in tongues. I'm like, Lord, I'm going to come against the Spirit. Because why? God knows I'm coming. So He's building me up. Right? The Spirit is speaking to me. And I'm being ready for this thing in the Spirit. But the devil also knows what's coming. And the devil's trying to stop what's coming. So he's putting everything in my way. Because he can't stop me in the Spirit. He's trying to stop me in the natural. Well, if I can't get to your mind, I'll block traffic of you coming to church. I'm like, Lord Jesus, you better open this traffic. Traffic starts flowing. I'm like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to make it on time. Because why? Because God wants to do something here tonight. When you go through bad times and you're at school and teachers start fighting and your parents are fighting and things aren't going your way and you break your arm or whatever, then it's like, oh, the Lord is teaching me a lesson. That's just God's way of disciplining me. It's God's way of reprimanding for me for sinning. That's not how the gospel works. I've never read any verse in the Bible that said God's judgment or God's discipline or God's reprimanding changed people's lives. Never. What changes people's lives? The goodness of God comes into your life, comes into your heart. The love of God comes in and that is what changes your life. That is why you get people who go from this to this. Why? Because they, they, they feel and they sense and they experience a supernatural love that you cannot explain to anybody. People with hardened hearts, stubborn hearts, hard-headed people, hate people, don't want to speak to anybody. They come in church, they stand behind their chair. They don't sing. They don't lift up their hand. They just look at everybody. Bunch of spectators. And the moment God's love comes into that person, it, the next moment you just see this. Because it is a supernatural love. It is a godly experience that changes people. And that is what's going to happen here tonight. Are you ready? People always say that God sends trials and tribulations over your path. Let me read that again. People always say, and people teach this because they don't understand. People teach, God sends trials and tribulations over your life. It is because they don't understand the gospel. They don't understand what the word of God says. It is a lie from the pit of hell that God sends trials and tribulations over your life. John 10 verse 10 says this, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to explain it to you through scripture. The thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. So who's the thief? Who's the thief? Alright. So does the word say God comes to steal, kill and destroy? No. He says the thief does not come except to steal, to kill and to destroy. Jesus says this. I have come. I have come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. You are not destined to be poor. You are not destined to be at the short end of life. You are not destined to be called the black sheep of your family. Why? Because God has come. Jesus has, Jesus, God sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for you to have life. And not only have life, but have it more abundantly. 
more abundantly in your finances, more abundantly in love, more abundantly in favor and compassion for people. That is what God has destined because Jesus came. So from a young age, we are, we are taught that Jesus died on the cross because we are sinners and to save us from sin. That is what we are taught. That is what, the, what, what people teach as the gospel. And I'm not saying they are lying, but I'm saying this. We need to sit and think about the fact that God sent His only Son. God sent His only Son as a man. Okay? We're talking about a supernatural God. A God who heals bones like this. Heals cancers like this. Heals heart disease like this. That is the God that we serve. So God could have sent Jesus at the age of 32. Bam, all mighty and powerful. Bam, 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 pray for a bunch of people, they get healed. No. What did God do? God sent him into the womb of a woman as a man to come from man to be a man. Okay? So he walked the natural path, not the supernatural path. He walked the natural path of being in a womb for nine months, giving, getting born, after nine months, walking a road from the age of zero to the age of 30, where his path started taking place, where he stepped into his ministry. Okay? The Bible says God cannot be tempted. My question to you tonight is, was Jesus tempted? Jesus was tempted. Why? Because he was a man. God had to send his son as a man to save man. God could have, could have done it any other way. But He sent His Son in the natural as a man to save us. Us as man. So He sent a man to save man. Are we getting this tonight? So Jesus dies on the cross. Okay? So this is where the revelation comes. When we look at the cross, we see our sins. And we see our sins forgiven. So every time we look at the cross, we see, I've smoked weed, I've looked at pornography, I lost my temper, uh, I swore my mom, I disrespected the teacher. That is what we see, because we see the cross saving our sins. But we are conscious of our sin, because the gospel that we've been taught from a young age is to be sin conscious. Amen? Are you getting this? But let me give you a revelation about the cross. The cross, when you look at the cross, the cross removes sin out of the picture, completely away. And it reveals why you have been created. So the moment I look at the cross, I see my sin has been removed. But I see why I've been created. I see the value and the potential that God has put upon my life after Jesus died on the cross. The goodness of God brings change to people. Just keep that in your mind. The goodness of God. So the moment Jesus died on the cross, Jesus came as a man. So I can have life and have life more abundantly. Have life in goodness. Have life in prosperity. Have life in favor. And live in righteousness. Because that is what God has called me for. It is always about the love and goodness it is always about the love and goodness from God. The cross does not expose your sin. Okay? 
You need to get this revelation tonight. The cross does not expose your sin. It removes it. The cross tells you who you are and who you have been created to be. Let's turn our Bibles to John 3 verse 16. It says, God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into this world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. The devil does not care if you are a Christian or not. The devil doesn't care. Because let me tell you, 70% of our country says they're Christian. But I can tell you now, give me about 20 minutes. Let me drive down to McDonald's. I'll get a couple of people to swear me. That is how easy it is. I'm just using an example. 70, people say 70% of our country says that they are Christian. But do we see it on the roads? Do we see it in shopping centers? If you call yourself a Christian, Christian means Christ-like. The moment I'm Christ-like, I need to heal the sick, cast out demons. Amen? Are we getting this tonight? The devil does not care if you're Christian or not. The devil just does not want you to get to know Jesus. Let me say that again. The devil doesn't care if you're Christian or not. He just cares. Because the only thing he cares about, he does not want you to know who Jesus really is. Because the moment you get revelation upon who Jesus is, that is the time that you start moving. That is the time that you start ministry. You don't have to be on stage. You don't have to hold a mic. You don't have to work for the church 24-7 to be in ministry. The devil doesn't fear when you go to church. The devil does not fear when you sit here on a Friday evening. He doesn't. The devil fears the moment you become the church. So what happens when we struggle with shame, guilt, and condemnation? We come to church. We stand here. We stand in worship. You lift up your hands, but your mind starts rolling. It's like a tape rolling. I've struggled with this. I've struggled with that. I've sinned like that. sinned like this. And you're like, Lord, but I can't have an encounter with you. I can't have an encounter. I can't break through. I don't deserve this presence. The day you opened your heart and said yes to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, that is the day that God encountered you. That is the first day that you got an encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Yes, we do have more. But we need to get away from this condemnation spirit that keeps us under this thing of, I'm not worthy, I don't deserve it. Because it's a lie from the pit of hell. So let's turn our Bibles to Hebrews 3 verse 8. The moment we go through stuff, what is the first thing that we do? We harden our hearts. So the Bible says in Hebrews 3 verse 8, it says, Do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial and in the wilderness. Let me give you a testimony. When I struggled with condemnation in my heart and in my mind, I would stand in church and I would look at people in worship. And I'll use my brother Nicky as an example. I'd look at Nicky and I'll see him face down, on his knees with his hands open, crying, sobbing in the presence of God. 
And I'm like, Lord Jesus, I don't feel a thing. And I'm like, I can't break through. I'm being real with you. And I'm not judging. I'm just saying that you, become, you get into this mindset of, why me? Why Nikki? Why can Nikki have the presence? But why can't I have the presence? That is what, that is, why is he driving a nice car? Don't I deserve it? Probably because I've sinned. Don't deserve it. Don't deserve to be in business. Lost my temper at work. Don't deserve an increase. Don't deserve promotion. No. It is because a person receives with an open heart because he had revelation upon who Jesus really is. He has revelation how to live away from condemnation and not be bound by a condemnation spirit. So when I see Nikki now, I'm like, Lord Jesus, thank you for a leader who knows, who knows you intimately, who knows how to spend time with God intimately and be not be bound by a condemnation filled spirit that the devil wants to keep you, wants you to keep away from your destiny. Wants to keep you away from your purpose. That is what, that starts in your heart. Jealousy starts. Anger starts. Bitterness starts. It all starts in your heart. Why? Because your mind is twisted. The devil starts twisting your mind. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 21 says, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God. He took his only begotten son, a son who knew absolutely no sin, who never sinned in his life. Jesus was tempted. Woman came to him, people came to him, tempted with pride, tempted with temptation, tempted with lust. I'm the son of God. It's easy to walk like that because you know who you are. But remaining humble, remaining away from sin. Being someone who knew no sin, became sin, took all our sin upon him to say, Father, you know what? They don't know what they are doing. But I'm keeping focused. I'm keeping, I'm keeping my aim on the goal. And that is for your children, your children, to live in freedom. I can live in freedom tonight. I can live in absolute freedom and absolute abundance. Why? Because Jesus came. Jesus paid the price on the cross. It is finished. It is done. The Bible is all about who you've become through Christ Jesus and not what you have to do to be, but who you must be to do. Let me read that again. The Bible is all about who you've become through Jesus Christ and not what you have to do to be. I don't have to do anything to be righteous. I'm already righteous. But because I'm righteous, I need to do. Adam. Let's look at Adam. Adam and Eve were in the garden. And they ate from the wrong tree. So, the Bible says that Adam heard God come down. So, what did Adam do? Adam ran away. So, just picture this. So, we're looking at a supernatural God, right? So, Adam is in the garden, hiding from a supernatural God. 
a God who knows every single hair on the top of your head and you are trying to hide. It's like Adam, really. So just imagine God walking into the garden. Adam, Adam. It's like, and Adam's like hiding, hiding. Why did Adam hide? Because the moment they disobeyed the word of God, that is when sin started. So here's the revelation. Adam was hiding from God because he was naked. Wasn't Adam naked the whole time? So Adam was ashamed. So the moment you are ashamed, you run away. That is when that spirit of being ashamed comes upon you, is the moment you turn your back and you run away. So here's God, right? Walking in the garden. Adam. Adam. It's all the way there. Adam. So eventually he says, Adam, come here. So Adam walks up to him. So he says to Adam, what's wrong? He says, God, I'm naked. So God asks, asks him the question. He says, Adam, did you eat from the wrong tree? It was Eve. Eve. Eve is the one who did it. So the moment he had guilt, he started blaming someone else. The question was, did you eat of the tree? Yes or no? Yes, Father, I did. But Adam chooses to say, mm. Eve, you and Eve sort each other out. I'm, me, I'm going, I'm going this way. So Adam disappears. God's standing there with Eve. It's like, okay, what, you know, what's the story? So Adam runs away because he's ashamed. He's naked. So he's trying to cover himself up. So what does God do? So God, the Bible says God clothes them. He clothes them. But he clothes them with the skin of an animal. So something already had to shed blood for their sins to be saved. So in Genesis already, blood is shed for your sins to be saved. But what does the clothing mean? It means although you have sinned, you are forgiven and you are righteous. Yes, they were kicked out of the garden. But that is because Adam didn't take responsibility of being the man and saying, Father, you know what? I repent. We ate of the tree. But because he was running away, because he was ashamed, the moment that you are righteous, I run towards God. Because when I run towards God, I don't have to stand and beg and say, God, please, forgive me. Lord, please forgive me. No, because the moment you ask for forgiveness, you are not sure if you've been forgiven. The moment you are not sure you've been forgiven, you are guilty. Or you've got a guilt spirit. The moment you have got a guilt spirit, you are ashamed because you've sinned. The moment you are ashamed, you are condemned. And the moment I'm condemned, you feel worthy to be judged by God for what you have done. Jesus finished it on the cross. So what it says, I don't have to do anything to be righteous. The day I said yes, I became righteous. And I have to be who God created me to be, to do the work of the kingdom. The moment I said, Father, I receive you, is the day I became righteous. 
The moment I become righteous, I am clean. I am a blank page in front of God. No sin, nothing, no filth. I'm not dirty. I've received a white, fresh new robe. Standing in righteousness, standing in the fullness, standing in the anointing, standing in the glory, standing in prosperity, standing in the presence, because I am righteous. My brother Tapiso preached an absolute powerful word on being righteous two weeks ago. If you haven't heard it, get that. Jesus finished it on the cross. The devil does not want you to see who you were created to be. He just doesn't want to. The, the devil is trying to overwhelm you. What, what happens when you're overwhelmed? The moment you're overwhelmed, you lose focus of what the goal is. So the devil is trying to overwhelm you because the moment you realize who you've been, who you've been created to be, then it's tickets for him. Klar, finish, done. Devil's out of it. So he's overwhelming you. Lord, I can't keep up with this. Work, I can't keep up with studies, I can't keep up with my friends, I can't keep up with this, I'm sinning, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, I'm, I'm, I feel guilty, I'm ashamed, I don't want anybody to know what I'm doing, I'm condemned, God must just judge me and it's done. That is what happens, that is how you feel, because you've been overwhelmed, and that is what the devil is trying to do, he's trying to overwhelm you. But you have to focus because the, re the moment you became righteous, you have to see Jesus every second of every day to know and to realize who you've been created to be. 80% of Christians struggle with shame, guilt, and condemnation. And the moment you struggle with something and you try to stop it, because you are so focused on it, the more you do it and the worse you feel. There's a, a pastor called Pastor JP. I've, I watched his... Uh, video on YouTube where he was speaking about he was addicted to pornography. It's an American pastor. Speaking about being addicted to pornography, would watch it at work, would watch it at home. He'll be totally consumed about it. And he, one day he walks into his prayer room after watching it and he, Jesus speaks to him and he says, Jesus, I just want to stop. And the, Jesus says this, you need to stop. Because it is against my word. But here's the revelation. Jesus said, it hurts me the way that it makes you feel. That guilt, that ashamedness, that condemnation, it hurts Jesus because you feel like that. Not getting out of that thing. Being in that stronghold, not getting out of it. Because it is a cycle. Every week, every day. It is an addiction. That feeling hurts Jesus because the way it makes you feel. Jesus paid the price on the cross. And when we look at the cross, we are not supposed to see our sins. But we need to see who I've been created to be. The cross does not expose my sins, but it removes my sins and exposes the value and potential who God himself created me to be. The moment Jesus came into my heart, a value and a potential rose up that is supernatural in your life. Because he who is in me is greater than anything in this world. It's supernatural. The devil is out to corrupt your mind. The moment you stand in worship and you're lifting up your hands and you're saying, Father, 
I just want to feel your presence. It's not your heart that starts talking. It's your mind. Your mind is the one who's busy at night. Your mind is the one who starts questioning stuff. Your heart knows the right path. And you say, Father, I love you and I adore you. And then your mind starts and the devil starts corrupting your mind. How can you stand in the presence of God? The way you think your actions Friday night. You slept with Amanda. You slept with whoever. How can you stand in the presence of God? Sleeping around. Smoking weed. Being high. Being drunk. That is not who you were created to be. That is the way that the devil works. But we need to understand tonight that Jesus paid the full price. Trey, you can start playing for me. Jesus paid the full price. Matthew 6 verse 33 says, But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all the things shall be added to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all shall be added to you. So the gospel is from these couple of things. Righteousness. Number one, write this down. Righteousness makes you in right standing with God. Right standing makes you right with God. Being right with God gives you peace. Peace gives you everlasting joy. The moment you don't have joy means you don't have peace. The moment you don't have peace, it means that you are not in right standing with God. When you are not in right standing with God, it means you are not in a righteous place. Luke 15, 11 to 35, and I'm going to paraphrase. You don't have to put up the scripture. I'm going to paraphrase this whole section here. It's about the prodigal son. But before I get there, let's get back to the movie. So Simba is hanging out with these two friends, these two hippie friends that don't care about anything in this world. They're just carrying on with life. And Rafiki, the little ape baboon, I don't know what you want to call him, comes there with his stick and beats him over the head. Do you know why he beat him over the head? Because his mind was so corrupt with the lies of the devil that he started believing himself. So all he needed And if we look at this spiritually, you can think of Rafiki as the spiritual father smacking him over the head and said, get your act right because there's land that you need to possess. There's a devil that you need to tramp on. So in Luke 15, 11 to 35, you can go read the scriptures. The prodigal son, the younger son of the father walks up to his dad. He says, I want my share of the estate. I want my share of everything that I get the day you die. Dad gives him everything, gives him his 50%. He runs off, has one hell of a life, parties, jewels, all that kind of stuff. And he gets to a point where he's so poor that he gets employed by someone to work to feed the pigs. Being at the top of the world, having money, having connections, just having one hell of a life partying all the time gets cut down to such a point in his life where he's feeding pigs and he says how can I stand here how can I be here when I have a father when I have a family and he decides I'm going back home 
He decides he's going back home. And the Bible says, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. Verse 21 says, the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Spirit of guilt, ashamed, condemnation, right there. I am not worthy to be called your son. And we've got a couple of prodigal sons here tonight. The Bible says in verse 22, he says, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Verse 23 says, Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead, is alive again. He was lost and found. And they began to celebrate. So what happens? Ezra, come here. Get me one of those cloths quickly. So the prodigal son runs away. And he comes back. And his father sees him. And the son returns. Broken. Poor. The son doesn't deserve anything. Because he's already used up what he's received. He's used up his 50%. He's got nothing to show for it. So in natural terms, he doesn't deserve anything. He's got this condemnation spirit of, Father, I am not worthy to be your son. I'm not worthy to be called your son anymore. I am ashamed. I, do, I am not worthy to be here. And his father says, Son, you are my son. And he gives him the best robe. And he clothes him and he says, he puts a ring on his finger and he says, you are my son. You have been dead, but you are now alive. And they have one massive party. Thanks, Israel. And this is what I want to say tonight. Tonight, there's prodigal sons. You are ashamed of who you've become. You are ashamed of what you've done. And tonight, I honestly don't care what you've done. I don't care what spirit is above you. What is hanging around above you? That cloud, that guilt, that shame, that condemnation. Jesus is saying, I have come so that you can live in freedom. When I run to God, when, I, when I've lost my shame and I run to God, God clothes me in righteousness. He calls me His son. He calls me worthy. And tonight, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you come from. I don't care how many people you've slept around with. If you've got guilt, shame and condemnation over your life tonight, you can feel that spirit. Won't you be that prodigal son tonight and come to the altar? I can feel the presence of God has just come down. If you can pray in your heavenly language, just pray in your heavenly language. Tonight, God is calling you. You've been running. You've been hiding. You've been ashamed. You've been condemned. You felt guilty of what you've done. But God says, tonight is the night. It is over. Tonight is the night. It is done. Tonight, I am clothing you in righteousness. I'm clothing you. 
to be in right standing with me so you can live in peace so you can live in joy and that you can live in abundance and that you can have life and have it more abundantly if you feel that spirit tonight if you feel that thing hanging over you I invite you come to the front come as the prodigal son tonight who says father I am not worthy but I need this tonight you can come to the front the altar is open Father, tonight I rebuke every condemnation spirit. I rebuke every guilt, every, every shame in the name of Jesus that is keeping them from their breakthrough. I break it in the name of Jesus. Devil, remove your hands. Devil, remove every stronghold over them. Remove every stronghold from their mind in the name of Jesus. For more information on products, please visit our website or send us an email. All the details are on the back of the product pack.